Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. These are the teachings from our Sunday gatherings. We are supported by listeners like you who find value in the mission of discipleship. If you'd like to give financially, check out our website, our Instagram, or our Facebook for the giving tab. And thank you for partnering with us and keeping the mission alive. Grace and peace to you. This parable is unique. I'm going to read it here in a second, but I'm titling this sermon, No Oil, uh, question mark, because of where what it points to, okay? Um, there's an urgency that happens, but not necessarily urgency. There's a focus that happens that I think is really good um, in, in reminding us of what the core of what it means to be a believer, a follower, looks like. And if this is new to you, then um, my prayer is that you begin to see what the church is meant to be, what Christians are meant to be, what our purpose is, what our mission is, um, as we develop in what it means to follow Jesus. So um, Matthew 25, 1 through 13, will be on the screen. It's in the, the digital bulletin. At what point do I stop calling it a digital bulletin? Because bulletins are just going to be always digital, right? They're just a bulletin now. It's not a bulletin. It's just the what? I don't know. What do you call it? It's just, I don't know. A memo? A memo? <laughs> Like digital memo. digital memo, but it's everything we use is digital now, right? Like <laughs> I don't have to call it digital anymore. Um, all right, we'll figure it out eventually. We'll get to the bottom of that one. Um, but Matthew 25, here we go. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and the translation can be bridegrooms. So it's like the 10 uh, uh, bridegrooms who come along in a wedding ceremony. Okay. Um, that took their lamps and went out to the meet to meet the bridegroom, or bridesmaids. Sorry, um, five of them were foolish and five were wise. This is where it goes, and it begins to describe why they're foolish, why they're wise. The foolish ones took lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long way, a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Okay, so all of them fell asleep, but some brought extra oil, some did not. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins who woke up and trimmed their lamps, the foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. So the ones that didn't plan for it are trying to take from the other five that are like, that are prepared and planned ahead for, you know staying alert and focused and being ready for the party, basically, the big celebration. Um, then they all woke up, trimmed their lamps, uh, sorry, and gave some of the oil. Um, no, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived the virgins who were ready went in with him into the wedding, into the banquet. So they got to celebrate and party, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, and this is really timely because of kind of where we're at in the world with war in the Middle East that's going on, and a lot of people having conversations about, like, is this the end times, you know? Like, is this the day? I was like, is Jesus coming back now, you know? And 
Um, and I remember my mom always saying that my grandparents talked about that, you know, during World War II. They were like, is it happening now? Is like, is this the day and the hour, you know? And just to clarify right now, just in those conversations, because a lot of people speculating and all those things, Jesus says right here, the day and hour is unknown. Okay? I'm not going to get too far into that because it's not really what the sermon's about, but it's unknown. The point of it is you're meant to be prepared for when that party happens. And so the story that Jesus gives us here is beautiful. Um, it really, I think, is a catalyst to our faith and understanding what is most important, Right? Um, I went to a, a funeral this, this week um, for Katie's grandmother, and we sat in a um, Catholic service, and the priest uh, gave a homily talking about just how fragile life is, right? And I'm not going to go too far into that end of it, because Chris will be preaching on this next week. Um, but the story he shared was really interesting because I had never thought of it this way. Um, at least I just kind of forgot as a kid. But he said that when he was a kid, his family would go to, they lived in San Diego, and they would go to, I think it was Point Loma, to um, the cemetery and set flowers on their family members' graves once a month. They would go and tend to the, the grave site. And um, in his mind, he said when he was younger, he thought that only old people die. Like, it was just, it was, you grow, you live a long life, and then when you get old, that's when you die. And his reminder, and like, the kind of the moral of the story was that, like, it, none of us, we're all on borrowed time. Like, none of us are guaranteed even tomorrow, right? Um, and so, it was kind of like a, a, a good reminder that we never know. The day and hour is unknown. We don't know. We don't know when our last day is going to be. We don't get to just live life crazy, just do whatever we want, um, and then just last second go, oh, wait, hey, wait, the party's starting, and now like I don't have any oil for this? So that's why I called this no oil. So we're going to unpack this a little bit. Um, the, the thing that I want to really hone in on is the difference between the wise and the foolish, and that's what Jesus does throughout the story here, throughout this illustration, this parable. Um, it's a story that's meant to point towards the kingdom of heaven, right? What the kingdom of God looks like. And because um, that's how it starts. At that time, the kingdom of heaven would be like this. And he tells the story. Um, and the wise and the foolish is kind of the focus that we see here. And, and as I begin to think about that, I begin to think about like what that looks like in our day-to-day life, day -day life and how we begin to live this out. And two of the phrases that came to mind were, Discipline equals freedom. Anybody heard of that phrase? Any? So just us? Okay. Yeah, I know. It's like these are not phrases that we're excited about. So like what I'm trying to set us up for is being prepared is not fun. It's not easy, right? Um, but discipline equals freedom. Maybe you've heard of that. It's uh, Jocko Willick. He's like he's written a bunch of books. But basically it's, it's a phrase that I don't think maybe he's coined it, but um, that really points towards the fact that like when we are disciplined, it begins to bring freedom in our lives. The same way that um, like the best illustration I can think of is maybe I still am notoriously late, but um, when I was younger, I was very late very often. And I, as I got older, I began to recognize how disrespectful it is to be late. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just talking about myself, okay? Um, but... Um, but as I became more disciplined and saying, I'm going to leave 10 minutes earlier than I think I should, 
so I can arrive 10 minutes earlier, so I have a little extra time that if, I, if there's traffic or some unforeseen thing, I can still be somewhat on time. And when I show up early, I feel really good. When I show up late, you've been there. Everyone's done this before, where you're like, it's going to take me 10 minutes to get there, and I should have been there five minutes ago, right? That anxious feeling, the like, oh, and you just like, you get there, and you have an apologize or make up you know, excuses as to why you're late. When we're not disciplined, it brings an anxious way about us, right? When you show up 10 minutes early, you're like, we're good. I'm here. I'm prepared. You know, like I'm ready to go. My mind is getting into the space of whatever, like starting the job or whatever it is. And we, that discipline brings freedom. It brings a sense of like, oh, we're good. So that's the best way I could illustrate just kind of that, that initial idea of where I'm going to go with this. But um, another one is, you've probably heard this, success is where preparation and opportunity meet. Preparation and opportunity. So being prepared that when that opportunity comes about, you're ready to engage in whatever it is. It's very famous. I looked it up and it's like, I forgot who the guy was that, that quoted, but it's like Zig Ziglar kind of stuff, right? Like being prepared, be ready. When you show up, you're there and you've done the research, you've been prepared, you've been studying, that then when that opportunity comes about, that maybe you've had enough money saved up, you've had enough education, whatever it is, where someone's like, hey, I need somebody that can do this, this, and this. And you're like, hey, I do all three of those things, and I've done that, and I'm kind of experienced, and I'm, I'm ready for that. You get to step into that opportunity, right? That's because of that ugly word discipline, right? <laughs> that none of us like. Um, and it's the same thing. The story that Jesus talks about here is wise. And so that word wise versus foolish is the disciplined ones did what? They planned ahead. They brought oil. They were like, let's have our wicks trimmed. Let's be ready. Um, we want to be there when this opportunity comes about. Um, this doesn't come easy, right? And when we talk about our faith, what Jesus is trying to do, because he's talking to his disciples, is prepare them for the road ahead, for the future, for what's about to happen. That if they are disciplined in their preparation of basically having oil in their lamp, letting their light shine, um, it will change the way that they live. Okay, and so the, the big word that we're going to learn about right now is eschatology, and it's basically the study of end times, what, how we believe the whole thing's going to unfold in the end, right? How we believe things are going to unfold in the future affects how we live now. That if I believe there is nothing after I die, let's just party it up, let's get crazy, let's just, you know, live it up right now, and... Um, Basically, just what's the point of any of it? Just go crazy and have as much fun as you possibly can, right? So if your eschatology is nothing happens, there's nothing exists, then what are you doing here? Like, go for it. But on the flip side, I think what many of us have discovered and probably why we're sitting here in this place together is that there is something more. There is a beauty to being disciplined, to living life a certain way that does bring freedom 
not just to us, but to other people, and it transforms the world we live in, that when we begin to view the fact that Jesus gives eternal life, like the life that goes on forever, that we get to be part of this party that he's talking about, right? So the point of them having their, their lamps oiled and ready was they get to be part of the party, that we get to be part of that party when we die, that when we move on, we get to be part of that big celebration that exists, that feast, that wedding banquet. And what I think Jesus does here is it shapes our, their eschatology, their understanding that if you're always ready, if you're disciplined, if you're prepared, which we're going to talk about more in a second, you're ready to enter into that party. You're ready to enter into this eternal life that Jesus talks about. And I don't have a lot of time to dig into it, but the definition that Jesus has of eternal life is this like life that's overflowing, right? Um, one of the examples that he gives is a well that's just never ending, that just wells up in you, the eternal life, that it's just like continually bringing this fresh life to you and the people around you the source of living that happens. And so because we believe that, because we believe that there's something more, we live prepared. And so I want to dig into that preparation, what that looks like to be prepared and to be ready. Um, And the question that I want to use to guide that is, we prepare for things that we love for, that we love, right? And so my question is, what do you love? Think about that for a second, okay? What do you love? What do you care about deeply? Another way of saying is, what do you want in life? What do you just deeply desire? And when we answer that question of what we love, it'll help us understand how we begin to live into that. Because I love surfing, so I I buy wetsuits, right? I buy surfboards, I go on surf trips, I try and surf when I can. I love spearfishing, I love freediving. There's these things that I love doing, right? I also love my wife. So there's things that I do to engage in relationship with her to develop that relationship, hopefully. (laughs) Kind of been doing a good job of that. So um, throw myself under the bus on this right now. Um, The things that I love, I will pursue right? The things that I deeply care about, I will invest in. I will put time into. I will protect, right? I'll protect that time with those people. Um, And so basically my question is like, prove to me what you love. If someone, I don't know, like, it's weird to use that alien illustration, but like, because they're real, we've discovered that they exist, right? (laughs) Um, But no, if aliens came down right now and they looked at your life, or someone from just a far-off land, um, looked at your life and what you do, what would they say you love based on your bank account, based on the time that you spend during the week, based on who you hang out with? Here's a deep one, okay? Just hold your phones on this one. What's on your phone, right? Like what kind of apps are on your phone? What kind of pictures? What kind of reminders? What your calendar looks like on your phone? If they could have full access to your phone, if I just said, hey, hand somebody 
in the room right now your phone, and they could just thumb through everything, your past history, uh, everything that's on there. They, what would they discover about your life? What would they find out that you love? Because that ultimately reflects what you love. It reflects the things that you care about, right? The hours that we spend on social media, whatever it is, it reflects what we care about. So maybe love isn't the right word, but like, or to help us understand it more, but the thing that we care about, the thing that we invest in, the thing that we really focus on, that's really what we consume our lives with. And what wisdom does is it says, is that? Is that the thing that I should be loving? Um, Katie and I, just to be transparent, we've had a conversation with our kids because they love sports, they love lacrosse. And so we've wrestled with how much time do we invest in sports? Because the yes to sports is a no to something else, right? So wisdom tells us, and it's told us, and we're still figuring this out. We don't have it dialed in. Wisdom told us if every night of the week we're spending driving somewhere to lacrosse, to sports, whatever it is, and sports on the weekend, it leaves us very little time for other things, right? Um, and so we've pulled back a little bit on that um, very intentionally. We've asked the kids, like, is this what you want to spend your entire week doing? And they're like, well, I kind of want to do some other things. Like, okay, well, then we have to say no to some of it. And so we're all kind of learning that. And I think in our faith, the same thing happens. There's things that we say yes to on our phones, in our lives, relationships, um, very good things at times, right? Like sports aren't bad. But the yes to those things means a no to some other stuff. And what we said is we want to say yes to more time as a family hanging out and just going down to the beach and watching the sunset. And now we have time to do that. And so we just do that. So when we have like margin in our week, we just go and we can do that. Um, but that's because we've said we love this. We love each other and we want to invest in each other and we want to prioritize that. And so where our attention, where our wisdom is directed um, is really important. And, and so wisdom to the first five that he talks about, um, they were prepared. They, they wanted to be part of the party. So they're like, hey, grab extra oil so that we're ready to go. Um, and they're just living their lives. An interesting observation is that they all fell asleep, didn't they? So sleep is part of like our, it's not saying like disrupt your life so that you're always ready to go and just wait, is Jesus coming now? How about now? How about now? You know, like just constantly just ready to go. It was more of like, well, we're prepared. We did the things we need to do. And now we're ready and we just live into it. We get to sleep. There may be times for sleep. But when the door knocks or when someone knocks at the door, we're ready and we can go. And, um, and so wisdom tells us we have to like assess our, our decisions, the, the things that we do. Um, and there has to be an element of humility that says, I'm going to have to give up some of, my, some of these things in order to invest in these other things. And what Jesus is t- telling his disciples, because this is a conversation with disciples, make sure you're ready. Make sure you're ready to prioritize the things that you think are really important. And, and so now what I want to do is talk a little about what, what did Jesus tell them to prioritize? What's the oil and oil in that day was used for anointing. It was used for the actual lamp. It was olive oil, um, which is interesting that it's like thousands of years later. We're still like 
using olive oil, and it's like the best oil there is. Um, but oil, olive oil is meant to, um, to light the lamps, as well as um, it was meant for anointing. So they would use it for healing. So like when they would pray over somebody, they would take oil and they would put it on their head and they would um, pray over the person for healing. It was also used for nourishing. And so this idea of Jesus saying, them having oil prepared, it had symbolism woven into it at that time that they would have all understood that this was nourishing, it was life-giving, it brought light to the room, right? And so Jesus talks in other examples as well that we're meant to have our light shine, right? And he uses light as an example for what it means to live out this Christian life that then shines light into other people's lives. And, and so I want to read just a couple of passages to kind of help us begin to see that, um, that illustrate what Jesus was trying to do when he was saying, have your oil ready. The oil meant more than just oil in a lamp, okay? But he says, um, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, this is in Matthew 7, uh, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The key line is doing the will of the Father. So the will of the Father is the def- defining factor of whether or not we get to be in that relationship, go to heaven, be part of the party, part of that banquet. And he says, many, many will, uh, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. So we can do Christian things. We can read our Bibles. We can pray out of ritual, just like they're talking about, but not actually know God, not actually know the Father. And this parable where Jesus talks about having the oil ready, that was a, a, a movement towards, the wisdom was a movement towards being discipled, being prepared, spending time in connection to the Father. That's what that oil represents. Um, again, that anointing, that nourishing, that relationship that begins to happen. Um, and so Jesus clearly states in various ways like what the priority needs to be, what our love needs to be where it needs to lie. And then in Titus, it describes it really clearly because if we're not crystal clear on what God's will is, then that's kind of vague, right? Um, And so Titus 2 does a really good job of summing it up. This is Paul writing to Titus. Um, Titus was one of the pastors that Paul got to know on his third missionary journey as he went through um, uh, just kind of the the different, he did a couple of different journeys, but um, as he did that, he invested in people's lives, and and Titus was one of them. And this is what he says to sum up kind of what it looks like to live this out, the will of God. He says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom So there's that word again, that wisdom, that understanding, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with the hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. So, Good deeds 
living this holy life, this righteous life, is the will of God. And Jesus talks about it as well, is that like how you treat the least of these, that's how we're going to know if you're actually doing the will of the Father, that taking care of widows and orphans, that visiting those that are incarcerated, that it was meant to be the outcast, those that are the least, those that are suffering in the community. We're meant to go and love and reach out and serve those people. And so that was the invitation of doing the will of the Father. And so having, our, having oil in the lamp is serving, is loving people, is stepping out into those moments where we begin to not only transform our life, because he also gives a list of things like, don't get caught up in the sinful desires, these things that just don't fulfill and chase after what brings true freedom. And the freedom was being totally committed to doing good deeds, being totally wrapped up in serving others. And so the main priority was serving, letting their light shine. The first five were able to let their light shine. The other five were like, hey, can we get in on this? Right? Last minute, they're just like, can we get some of your oil? Because we thought the whole thing was just, I don't know, going to happen someday, and we just didn't want, we just wanted to party it up. We didn't want to be disciplined enough to say, we need to be prepared for this. We need to be prepared to let our light shine. And so the invitation was not just let your light shine so that you can go to the party. It was let your light shine because you're doing the will of the Father. You're actually serving. You're transforming the world that we live in, the here and now. And you don't get to piggyback on other people. None of us get to piggyback on someone else's faith. We have to own it. We have to ask our, that question I asked in the beginning. What do we love? Do we truly love Jesus? And we just completely wrapped up in what he's doing? That we're like, I'm prepared. I've been studying. I've been transforming like my heart, my mind. I'm changing what I look at, what I talk about, how I treat people. And it's, it's revamping me to be wise and not foolish. And I know like in this world, we don't want to like, I don't know, I guess say that some people are foolish and some people are wise, but we all know that you can make foolish decisions, right? I've made many foolish decisions. I want to continue to develop in what it means to be wise. And that's the invitation that Jesus has here. It wasn't like, be prepared at every moment because just the hammer could drop. It was, be prepared because the way of life is so much better that when that knock happens, you're ready. And you know, you have a confidence that You've been loving and serving people. There's no guilt or shame for things that you've done in the past or things that you're doing right now. There's a freedom in it. And so um, I guess just what I want to close with is this idea of what do we love um, and how do we begin to journey into that further. Um, Jesus had a really beautiful conversation with Peter, and I'll close with this. And he asked him three times, do you love me? You're probably familiar with this. You probably heard it. Um, But what Jesus was doing is continually just drawing him back to say, do you really want to be part of this thing that transforms the world? Do you really want to be part of this? And and he really, and he says to him in this line um, in John chapter 21, the very end, he says, very truly, I tell you, When you were younger, you dressed yourselves and you went where you wanted to do. Basically, you just did whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, right? He says, now that you're older, you stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And what 
Jesus was pointing out is that you've gone from wanting to do things your own way to wanting to do things God's way, allowing God to dress you, allowing God to rule your life, allowing God to direct your decisions, allowing God to be the one that guides your thoughts, that guides where you prioritize your schedule during the week, right? Where you prioritize your relationships. He's like, it's Peter, are you willing to just to truly love me in this way that says like, you're going to have to let go of all the things that you want to do and start to prioritize the things of Christ. And so how do we begin to do that? Um, that's my question to you. Um, I think many of us know I could give us a list of stuff like study your Bible, be in relationship with other believers. Um, but the biggest thing that I see um, that I've found in my own personal life that begins to, I guess, transform my, my identity and my, my view of being prepared and being disciplined is having meaningful relationships with other people who are believers that want to push you in that direction. Um, the conversations that I have like with Jason and my wife and other people that begin to, um, I guess, catalyze the things that we want to prioritize, right? That like solidify the things that we say, like, I want to be a more patient person. Well, then I got to, I got to talk about those times where I'm impatient and just shine light on that and say, I don't want to do that anymore and begin to transform that and allow Jesus to, to wash over me. And then that's basically just saying, I want to, I'm going to start preparing. I'm going to do the hard work, the discipline part of it, the transformation part of it to say, God, use my life, transform my life because I keep messing it up. I keep going in the wrong direction. And so um, I guess my closing thought would just be have somebody that's close in your life that you can begin to really wrestle with these things with. Um, I read a stat or I heard a stat in a podcast this week that was saying that roughly 50% of Americans don't have a close friend to begin to confide in and share like these honest things to wrestle with and to journey with and to like really, I guess, just recognize how God might be at work in. Um, my encouragement would be find some people, connect with some people. Um, we as a church probably need to do a better job of connecting with one another throughout the week in ways that begins to open up honest dialogue that says, man, I need, to, I need to have my lamp filled. I need to have the oil ready. I need to be prepared. Um, I need to be more disciplined in this area. And it's different for every single one of us in this room, different life stages, different things that we need to be disciplined in, that we need to recognize and go, yeah, you know what? Can you hold me accountable in this? Can you help me with this? Can you pray for me in this? That during the week when I have these moments that I'm just distracted or I'm just led in some crazy way, like, Paul talks to Titus about, like maybe some evil desire. Help me to have the strength to let Jesus wash over that, the Holy Spirit to wash over that. And so my closing thought is that um, the Holy Spirit is at work. Again, the oil also represents the Holy Spirit. And those five wise individuals said, I want the Holy Spirit in my life. And so my encouragement would just allow the Holy Spirit to work in you convict you where it needs to happen during the week, to be open, honest, transparent. Um, but most of all, just to begin to journey with Jesus in that and begin to find that freedom that he talks about. And you get to celebrate 
when that day happens, that we are there and we're ready and we get to celebrate with Jesus. And so, um, yeah, don't fall asleep on these rhythms that begin to transform us from the inside out. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and these stories that you told to your disciples to shape their understanding of what real life looks like, what true life looks like, how to find freedom. And so we want to find that freedom. We want to step into that. And so help us to be, um, I guess, just uh, vulnerable enough to ask others for help in this journey. Um, Give us a humility that allows your Holy Spirit to do its work in our hearts and our minds to transform us, that our soul might really experience um, what it means to just abide in you. And I know these, these words of discipline, they make us cringe at times, Lord, but help us to see that it's ultimately good, that it does bring freedom, that ultimately what you're trying to do is set us free from these things that, that, um, that keep us chained up. And so we look to you, Jesus. We invite your Holy Spirit into our lives as we leave this place, even the conversations that we have here as we leave. Um, May they be just anointed with your Holy Spirit and uh, go before us as we go into our families and our jobs and all these different places that you call us to um, with a a renewed sense of your Holy Spirit, your nearness, and, uh, and walk in step with your power, God. We pray this in your name. Amen.